When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You've tuned in to the 49ers Rush podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. All right, 49ers fans, welcome to another episode of the 49ers Rush Podcast. I am your host, John Chapman, and we are 2-0 in the preseason. Hopefully you joined us for the reaction game immediately after the game was over. But today what we're going to do, we are going to do our deep dive into the offense, snap counts, team stats, individual stats, Everything that you could ever dream of. I've been able to go through the film a few times on the offensive side, and man, I'm not going to lie, it, it was really bad early. Uh, you know, the, the common takeaway that you had from the game was, oh crap, this is not good. And as the game went on, you're like, oh, okay, okay, all right, all right, yeah. And so I do understand that a lot of the backups were in there whenever a lot of that success was going on, but this is still the preseason. So there's a lot of takeaways that we have, especially on the offensive side. And so what I want to do first is I want to kind of step back and look at the whole forest, the big picture of the thing, and then we're going to zoom in and look more in detail at each individual offensive player and go position by position and just kind of compare and contrast against all of those things. So uh, without further ado, let's just jump into it. The 49ers win 24-15 to against the Denver Broncos. And, you know, the Broncos were one game ahead. They played in the Hall of Fame game earlier in the season. So this was their third preseason game. You know, our stats matched up fairly well almost all the way across the board. So we had 15 first downs to their 18. Five of those first downs we earned were passing. The majority were rushing. We've got one first down from penalties. Now, the biggest red flag here was third down efficiency, which last year was not good. Really wasn't great at all. You almost always want to be above 50%. That is the common marker for success. If you're over 50%, you've done well. If you're below 50% on third down, you have not. We went two for 11. That is just abysmal. <laughs> 52 total plays is big time on the shy side. Uh, a big reason why that happened. One, the clock, the way that it worked out. We got the ball in the first half, and we had our drives. However, they ran the ball and the clock out. So we only got five drives in the first half, and then in the second half, we had that fumble on one of the first plays by Wilson Spate. So that hurt us a lot as far as the total plays, which you don't want to be. We lost total plays 52 to 71. The Broncos had 71. You don't want to be down that much. However, total yards, we were up 278, which is super low, uh, to 215. Our defense was able to keep us in that game. But yards per play, 
5.3 yards, not bad, not great. They only averaged three. I know it's not the defensive episode, but as I go down these team stats, I kind of want to parlay it back and forth because what it does is it gives you a perspective of how good our offense was against their defense and how good our defense was against their offense. And it definitely the score 24 to 15, very reflective of how both sides of the ball played together. Our defense shut down their offense and definitely did not bend whatsoever. Only 93 passing yards, but 185 rushing yards. That's great. Uh, I think there's a crazy stat out there that whenever teams rush for 200, yards or more they're in the 90 percentile uh win percentage so that's huge we didn't hit that number but you know 6.4 yards per rush as an offense we can say what we want about the offensive line and don't worry i'm going to get into critique of offensive line pressures allowed and all those things but there was a lot of push up front with the second and third team offensive lines that were in there. So those interior guys, you know, we can give them all the grief that we want. And I, I've been one of the main spoken people out against the interior line. They got a lot of push late. They really, really did. So just want to say credit to those guys. And that's where that 6.4 yards per rush came from. You could talk about the Debo Samuel end around. That's going to add to it as well. Now, red zone efficiency. We were 2 of 4. That's great. They were 0 for 2. Again, 50% is not great. But that's an improvement over last year. Uh, Usually in the red zone, you want to be closer to 70%. Hey, man, two for four. If you're playing great defense, you can win with that. Now, penalties, yep, shocker. Get used to this one. 13 penalties for 101 yards. They had nine penalties for 68. A couple of those were just kind of bad calls. But they do this every year in the preseason. And I say they, the NFL, They basically tell them to go out and call everything textbook. If you think it's close, call it in the preseason. Then they reassess, much like NFL teams do, and they say, okay, this is disrupting the game flow. This isn't. Let's scale this one back. Let's keep that. All those types of things. We did have two turnovers, the Jimmy G interception and then the Wilson Spate fumble. We caused one turnover, uh, the Dante interception, which we will talk about on the next episode. But – we lost the possession battle as far as time is possession, which Shanahan's not really too big into that. 25 minutes to 34 and 55 uh, seconds. So w- they totally dominated us there. But it's not one of those things that we really want to be too worried about. So what I want to do now is I want to focus on snap counts and kind of who was where and what that looked like. So our starters were out there for 11 plays. That's it. You know, whenever we talk about starters, let's just go all the way across the offensive line. The wide receivers were Dante Pettis and Marquise Goodwin. No surprise there. Tight end was Roz Dwelly. So for all those people that keep saying, you know, Caden Smith or Toy Lolo or any of those guys, I'm telling you right now, put that argument to bed. Roz Dwelly is the number two tight end. And he didn't have a great game, but he he's going to be the guy there. I, I do believe... You know, if we talk about like tiered rankings, I don't think it's close. I really don't. I, I think it's Kittle, then there's a huge gap, then it's Dwelly, then there's a huge gap. And if you want to run play, I would put in Toy Lolo. If you want to pass play, I'd put in Smith. Now, I doubt they're going to keep all four. Caden Smith probably will get the nod there. We'll just have to see. A lot of that will depend on 
Tololo's health. He has not been healthy. So staying with our starters, backfield, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, as, as far as the running game goes, you know, they kind of split the carries because Tevin Coleman got six snaps with the first team. Matt Breida got five snaps with the first team. And check was in there for a couple of those plays, uh, four of those plays sprinkled in as well. So if we go to our offensive line, left to right, left tackle Joe Staley, Lakin Tomlinson, Ben Garland, Najee Torrin got the start at right guard like we expected, and Mike McGlinchey. Now, all those players I just mentioned – Played 11 plays or less. So Dante Pettis finally got the starter-level treatment that we didn't see in the first game. So did Marquise Goodwin. The only one that played more than the 11 snaps was Najee Torin, who played 45 snaps. So they kept that guy out there for a lot of the game. And he, he responded. He played really, really well. The, the major critique, and we'll get into O-line a little more in depth, was his penalties. He just had a lot of penalties. And, and so those were our starters. Now what I want to do is take a step back from the positional kind of whatever and talk about the top five and the lowest five ranked players according to Pro Football Focus. And so right off the bat, the best player, it doesn't take much to guess, it's Raheem Mostert. You know, I said in my reaction show immediately after the game on Sunday, uh, Monday, he was definitely the offensive MVP. He looked great. He came in with the 86.2, and I'll get into kind of what uh, contributed to all those things, but he was unbelievable. The next best player, and this was a shock to me, was Kendrick Bourne. You know, he had that huge drop, but he was able to capitalize late in the game. And actually, I had that in my notes several times. Uh, run opened up and extended by Kendrick Bourne. Run opened up and extended by Kendrick Bourne. He had a 95.1 run block grade. Um, he was out there making plays even without the ball, which is important. You know, he's if he would have caught that huge bomb from C.J. Beathard, which was probably one of the best passes he's ever thrown in his life, I think Kendrick Bourne would have been really close to the number one spot. But he finished with an 80.1. Next up is Wesley Johnson. You know, I talked about the movement late in the game, Wesley Johnson was crushing it at center. He had a 75.9 grade. Caden Smith, another solid performance. The problem with Caden Smith is he is atrocious at pass blocking. He can get movement in the run game, and he freed up a couple of big plays for Mostert. However, man, his pass blocking, his pass set is rough. If you go back to Stanford and the film there, you didn't see him do it a lot. You see him run block. And he can get after. He's a high-energy guy. But when it comes to pass sets, he is definitely out of place. So it's it's that's the problem, right? Do you go with the youth of Caden Smith? He's somebody that's so much more dynamic in the passing game. And we saw him on that great out route, create all this separation with the linebacker. Or do you go with Tololo, somebody that could just block and just be an extra guy? He's not going to add much in the receiving game. But you do you never have to worry about him in protection. So what is it that you want in your third down tight end? Usually with those back end positions, I am looking for upside. And with Caden Smith being a rookie, um, I, I hope that we keep him. But it's going to be interesting to see what they they say. Debo Samuel he finished as the number five player with a seventy four point zero, and a lot of that had to do he didn't really have a busy day, but that reverse was just something special. Now let's go to the flip side, and you guessed it, folks, <laughs> in my best Brent Miss Mus- Musburger, sorry about that impersonation, 
Jimmy Garoppolo dead last, a 17.1. And we're going to jump into his stats, which are abysmal, but he was the worst. Staying at the quarterback position, Wilton Spate. Oh, my gosh, he looked really, really bad. Um, I'm starting to question now if he's even going to be a practice squad candidate for us. We might just bring in somebody else and just be completely done with the whole uh, Wilton Spate experiment. Marquise Goodwin got a really, really bad grade. Um, A lot of that has to do with the interception that came his way because here's what happens. Whenever you're the targeted wide receiver and an interception happens, that destroys your grade. Um, now, I'm not putting that interception on him, but it was a 50-50 ball. He should have went and got it. He really should have went and got it. And then the last of uh, two guys that kind of tied with a close score, Roz Dwelly, again, who I said didn't have a great game, but I don't think that he really did anything to hurt um, kind of his standing. And Daniel Helm other tight end that got in late he got 29 snaps and we could just stay with that tight end position because you have Roz Dwelly, Daniel Helm and Tyree Mayfield just had an abysmal performance so what do you do with that and rounding out if we kept going it'd be Justin School who just continues to show this game is too big for him right now out on the edge you know I almost wish he was a little bit bigger because you know you could move him inside but at 6'6", 318, like, I think he's too tall. He's not as wide-based as you'd hope for. And so that that's kind of the scary thing for him because, man, what are you going to do there? I don't think you want to go into the season with that guy as backup swing tackle. Sam Young is going to be that guy there. So... All right, let's jump over now to our quarterbacks, and let's just look at what we have here. Now, before we do that, I do want to give a shout-out. We are still being sponsored by Manscaped.com. Just a real quick plug for those guys. Head over to Manscaped.com. Use the promo code 49ERSRUSH, no spaces. Get 20% off anything you buy there, plus free shipping. And you get a free travel bag if you buy one of their kits. Again, manscaped.com. Use the promo code 49ERSRUSH. No spaces there. All right, quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo comes out. He had 11 snaps, and he goes one for six. (laughs) His completion was for zero yards. He had that interception on that first third down, and it was just bad. Really, really bad. Now, here's the thing. He had one batted pass. He had one dropped pass, which is kind of a rough one to chalk it up to him. But that's just kind of what he was. You know, didn't get any first downs. He didn't really do anything. It was just an awful game. You have to be 100% honest and say, all right, did he have a bad game? Yes, 100%. But if you go back and you watch those plays that he was bad, Joe Staley was getting mossed on by Bradley Chubb and maybe some errors in communication. I don't know what was happening with the offensive line. But it was pretty bad. He was getting hit or the ball was getting tipped at the line. It just didn't go well. So, you know, it's definitely alarming. This does not mean it's time to start calling for a backup or a trade or a bust or whatever. It's the first time he played since week three last year. So you get that out of the way. And now we see what happens because, you know, coming up this week, this is going to be huge because now what's going to happen is, It's dress rehearsal time. So, you know, we're playing against the Chiefs on Saturday at 5 p.m. 
that is the time where he's probably going to play close to a half. I guarantee you this. Kyle Shanahan did not expect to play all of his starters into the third drive. If you would have asked him before the game, hey, will Jimmy Garoppolo play three drives? He would have laughed. Hell no. But he only got 11 snaps because they were all three and outs. Like, it was just rough. It was just rough. So we got a couple extra plays in there to 11 because of penalties, but that's it. Next up, quarterback, you know, C.J. Beathard, he came in. He played fairly well. He really didn't do too bad. He went 5 for 11. Um, He got sacked once, so a 45% completion percentage isn't great. He did have two dropped passes, which are going to uh, contribute to that. 81 yards, 7.4 yards per attempt, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, He was sacked once, and I do put that on him, like, this is the issue that we have, right, with this Mullins versus CJ debate. CJ has to see it open before he can throw it. He is not an anticipation thrower. Mullins is a timing passer, which means if this is the play call, he's going to hit that slant as soon as that third foot hits the ground. It's just what it is. Boom, 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 throw. Whereas CJ, again, you know, he's from Iowa. It's a slow-developed, ground-and-pound run game. And then play action, see it, throw it. I think CJ has a much better arm than Nick Mullins does. I don't think there's any doubt there. But in the NFL, you cannot hold on to the ball. You have to trust your wide receivers. You have to trust your scheme. And you have to do that. He just has not shown that in his three years uh, of being here. So uh, that's a problem. He did have the drop, like I said. But he finished with a 70.6. Uh, NFL rating and three first downs, which isn't bad. Now, Nick Mullins is unbelievable. He did a whole bunch with nothing. He only attempted three passes, two completions, 66.7 percentage, and you know, 27 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions, perfect fade ball to Kendrick Bourne. Which, you know, Debo, I think if they would have challenged that, it was close to a touchdown on that reverse, but that put them on the one, and they were able to get in there after that. Now, I'll say this as well. You know, he he took a sack, and he could have got ridden of the ball faster, but you get two first downs, and you only throw the ball three times, that's pretty damn impressive and efficient. I absolutely love <laughs> our backup quarterback situation. I, I really do think that, you know, it's it's one of those things where, how do I say this without making people sound the alarm? I love Jimmy G, and I think he's going to be just fine. I do believe we have one of the better backups in the NFL in Nick Mullins. I do believe that we will have an offer on the table for a fourth-round pick for him. I hope that we do not take it. That's how much I like him. Now, if we can get anything for CJ, that'd be great, but I just don't see that happening. Now, let's jump in just a little bit more detailed just with the quarterbacks. You know, I'm looking at my passing chart where PFF, they kind of chart – where what direction each quarterback throws it and i i know that you know jimmy g only threw the ball six times i get that however he never threw the ball to the right side of the field every pass was straight up the middle or to the left which is interesting every one of his dropbacks you know of all six he had pressure on four of those so that's huge so he had two of those where he was blitzed and two where he just received pressure. Obviously, his stats were just abysmal for all of those. Now, CJ, he kind of threw the ball all over the field. He didn't seem to favor anything over the others. Now, I will say this. 
with no pressure, he went five of seven. He looked great. <laughs> this is the problem, right? It, CJ is only as good as the pressure that you keep away from him. Now, whenever he was under pressure or blitzed, he was 0 for 4. And that's where the sack came from. It's just that that's kind of who this guy is going to be. If you can keep him upright, he's going to be just fine. If you cannot, then that's when you're in trouble. And then we only had the three passes from Nick Mullins, and he didn't have pressure on any of those. So he went two for two with no pressure, and then there was one pass where he had a little bit, but and that wasn't completed. But here's the deal. If you look at the timing, you know, I'm sitting there watching the game, and I went back for his four passes. All of his passes came out super early, under three seconds. And when Nick Mullins and Jimmy G had their success, a lot of that has to do with Back, get the ball out. Back, get the ball out. Back, get the ball out. It, it's just, it's what they do. So it, it's got to be a little bit better whenever we look at exactly what's going on with up front because this matters. This is what matters. So let's look quickly just at pressures that are allowed. So breaking down the offensive line and really anybody for that matter and what they allowed towards the quarterback. So they had three sacks. The people that were attributed for a sacks, I love that Pro Football Focus attributed one sack to Wilton Spate because <laughs> the fumble, the sack fumble, they gave him a sack on that one. But Justin School allowed a sack. Jeff Wilson Jr. allowed a sack. If you remember, he tried to just stand there and catch Dakota Watson coming full speed off the edge, and Dakota Watson just bulldozed the hell out of him. They so slow mo played it and all that stuff it was absolutely just abysmal but it's what it is as far as quarterback hits allowed Najee Torn allowed one Joe Staley allowed one but man it, this is where I kind of disagree with what pro football focus and how they do their stats on this one because the one interception that you know Jimmy Garoppolo threw he got hit by Joe Staley's player Bradley Chubb the next almost interception that he threw on the next drive he had a hand on his shoulder from Bradley Chubb again. They, uh, for some reason, did not call that a hit. Now, if we look at hurries, that there wasn't too much there, but you add all those together, and you can see uh, Staley, Wilson, Daniel Brunskill, Justin School, Najee Torin, those are the guys that allowed pressures, and you add on to that Najee Torin, he had two penalties, two costly penalties. One of them was with the starters, and then we were having a hell of a drive, and he had another one that pushed us out of field goal range. So his play was good. You know, I think he's playing himself into a roster position. And again, you look at his position versatility. He played the first 35 snaps at right guard. Then he took 10 snaps at center. So he is one of those guys that can kind of do a little bit of everything, but those penalties got to go. Daniel Helm, he had a penalty, and so did Justin School. Um, he did that jump off sides, BS, whatever. Now, the center position I want to pay a little bit of extra time to because what do you do here? You know, Ben Garland comes out. He was our starter today. You're hoping to get back Weston Richburg. You don't know if he's going to be back week one. We're kind of in that pivotal time now where if he doesn't get out there and start participating a little bit more this week, I think you have to have a red flag. If he's not out there practicing by next week, then you basically have to say, okay, he's definitely going to miss week one or week two. And this was the problem. You know, whenever we signed Western Richburg and brought him over and paid him all that money, 
and he was bad all year, we kept saying, man, you can tell he's injured. Man, you can tell he's injured. So he's tough as hell. But the speak all offseason was, well, hey, when rest Western Richburg is finally healthy, watch out. Watch out. He's finally healthy now. Still not going. So is this going to be one of those lingering issues to where he's just going to have to play through this for the rest of his career? I certainly hope not. But um, Wesley Johnson definitely had the best game. You know, if we look at the center snaps, Wesley Johnson had 27, Ben Garland had 11, and Najee Torrin had 10. And it wasn't even close. Uh, Wesley Johnson was by far and away the best player. I don't think that he has a chance to win the kind of backup center role, but he played absolutely incredible. Now, if we look at tackles, you know, Mike McGlinchey went out there early and did great. We didn't hear anything from Von Miller, which is wonderful. Sam Young played great in pass blocking. He had a couple bad miscues in the run game. Willie Beavers came in. I don't want to talk about him. He got eight snaps. He was awful. But Sam Young, if the season started today, I'm telling you right now, Sam Young is going to be the backup um, swing tackle. So unless we trade, pick somebody else up off of waivers or something, Sam Young's going to be the guy. He looked much, much better than um, school did. Now, right guard, Najee Torin, uh, Daniel Brunskill, Ross Reynolds only got eight snaps at right guard. He got 19 at left guard, and he turned in another bad performance. This is another guy that I thought was on the fringe. Like, he had a possibility to make this roster. It is just not looking that way. He has turned in back-to-back bad performances, and now his his snaps are getting docked a little bit. So, again, Lakin Tomlinson only got 11 snaps. That should do it if we look at left tackle. Uh, you know, 37 snaps for Justin School, 11 for Staley, and 8 for Christian DeLaro. Um, the best of all those was Christian DeLaro, who actually didn't play that much. So it, it's one of those things that you look at and you're just like, man, these snap counts tell a story. These are the guys that the coaches want to try out in these positions and the order that they go in tells a story. And whenever you're having these players that are on the fringe or on the bubble and they're getting less snaps than they did in week one and they're healthy and you're seeing the younger guys get more snaps, that should tell you something. They're opening a door for, all right, you're not getting the job done. So we're going to let this other guy. So you got to kind of prove that. So it's going to be interesting to see what's next for the old line because there, there's about eight guys that are fighting for three spots. It's still up in the air. It's still up in the air. Now let's real quick, let's jump over to the running back position. And we had a lot of guys get snaps. A whole bunch of guys get snaps. Um, if we just go in order of you know kind of who got the most snaps and whatever else, uh, you had to start off with, here we go, at the running back position. Yeah, Austin Walker, Walter had nine. Jeff Wilson Jr. had nine. Raheem Mostert had six. Tevin Coleman had three. Breida had one. And Brandon Wilds had one. And those were from the running back position. So a lot of those guys had more snap counts, don't get me wrong, but they were bounced around a lot. Now, a couple things just real quick. And kind of here's what I want to focus on. When you're in at running back, how many carries you get, what everything looks like after that, that's what's key. So a couple things that I always look for is yards per attempt, okay? If your yards per attempt is high, 
then usually you're doing very well. So, for example, Raheem Mostert, six carries, 58 yards, 9.7. That is bananas. On his six attempts, he got three first downs. On his six attempts, he had two 10-plus yards created. Like, that's awesome. And and what's even more bonkers than all of those stats is his yards after contact, 21. That's just rushing. That's not his screen pass either. You know, I, I typed in my notes and it said, Raheem Mostert created on his own. There was one drive, one the very first touchdown drive that we had. We had back-to-back ones, but the first one, that dude just created. <laughs> he had the screen pass where he made a bunch of people miss, um, and then he had the run where he, he got some really good blocking but just amazing speed. They made the mention, if you were watching the ESPN broadcast, which I guess that's all there was. We didn't have our local one. Um, but they talked about how he had one of the fastest times in the NFL last year on Next Gen Stats where they measure like the miles per hour. The fastest time last year was Matt Breida. And the second fastest with Tyreek Hill. So it goes Matt Breida, Tyreek Hill, then Raheem Mostert. Mostert looked fast. He looked really, really fast. He played absolutely amazing. I, I really hope it's one of those things. I don't want him to get more carries in the preseason because we already are keeping this guy. He's a lock, but I'm super happy with what we are we have moving forward. Austin Walter did okay. Not too, too bad. You know, he had six attempts. For 22 yards, 3.7. You, anything over four, you're happy with. So he's a little below average there. He got one first down on six carries, but he had 10 yards created after contact, which, you know, that's not too bad. Basically, he's creating 1.6 yards per carry on his own is what that means. Now, if we look at, you know, Jeff Wilson Jr., who I think is his immediate competition, and the only way either one of these guys would really make the roster is if we move Jarek McKinnon to IR, which I don't think that we're going to do. Um, You cannot put him on the pup now because you took him off, so he's either on the active roster or he's going to the IR. So Jeff Wilson Jr., nine attempts, 33 yards, 3.7 yards per carry, very similar to Austin Walter. He did get that touchdown on the one-yard thing, and he did have a great stiff arm where he bounced the dude off the ground. It was like third and one, and he hit the left side of the offense, bounced it outside, linebacker kind of came up, and he just planted him in the ground. Um, It was awesome. I I captured the clip on my Twitter feed if you want to check it out, JL underscore Chapman. It's a whole bunch of 49ers clips. It's almost like rewatching the game over there. But um, anyway... Now, he had three first downs, though, which is great, and 17 yards after contact, which comes out to 1.8 per carry. So, again, that's a 1.8 yards that he just created on his own. Tevin Coleman, three for 21, looked really, really good out there, seven yards for each carry. You know, he just looked good. He got one first down, one 10-plus yard thing, and he had another big run that was called back. So Matt Breida only had one attempt for four yards. Um, and half of that was he was hitting the backfield, and he created extra on his own. So that's going to be our rushing grade. So before we take off, let's just talk receivers, okay? And there wasn't really a lot to look at because only 17 passing targets were dished out. Of those 17, only eight were caught. So let's look at just the target share for each player and kind of go – you know, these were the most heavily targeted players. Richie James, two weeks in a row, led the team. He only had three targets. He caught one, 
which, you know, isn't that great? 14 yards. It was a heck of a play. He had two other catches that were called back because of penalties, so those aren't going to show up in the stat line to where he looked good. He did get the first down on that catch, but, again, the, the issue is, you know, one for three. One of them was a deep crossing route that he kind of gave up early on. I like Richie James. I want him to make this roster. He was on my initial projection. However, through two weeks, I think he is further behind the eight ball now than he was. And I know you guys are going to yell at me and say, oh, Richie James is the man and all that. And you're right. He is the man. However, he has not done himself any favors through two weeks of the preseason. Kendrick Bourne had three targets. Uh, he caught two of those, 27 yards and a touchdown, and he was even able to create some yards after the catch. You know, he had 22 yards after the catch on that one play, which was awesome. Had the touchdown pass, which is amazing. He just could have – that drop was huge. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how else to say it. You know, a 45-yard bomb right in the arms, and he dropped it whenever he had space between the defender. I really do believe Kendrick Bourne makes this roster. I just think he's going to be a short yardage and a goal line guy only, which he excels at. And if you look at, you know, back to the first preseason game and the second, the times that he struggled was in the middle of the field. Get that guy out there in the end zone where he can be successful, and that's it. I think they're trying to see if they can use him for more, and I think they're coming to the realization it's just not it. Caden Smith, one catch on two targets for 17 yards. Absolutely great route. Matt Breida, one catch on two uh, targets for no yards. Raheem Mostert, two catches on two targets for 42 yards. And, you know, we were talking about that yards after catch. 41 yards, the length of his, his entire receiving thing all created on his own. So just absolutely special there. He is, man, I love that guy. Jeff Wilson Jr., one for one for eight yards. And then Daniel Helm missed his only target. Jalen Hurd missed his only target. Marquise Goodwin, his was the interception on his target. And Jordan Matthews, he was out there early as well. Zero catches on his one target. So that's going to do it for us today. I will be back in two days with another episode going through the defense, missed tackles, pressures, quarterback hits, coverage, um, passer rating against, all those things. And again, as always, if you have not already, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. That helps us out more than anything. And if you really want to help us out, head, head over to manscaped.com for all of your male grooming needs. Use the promo code 49ersRush. That helps us out a lot. Appreciate it, guys, and stay strong, faithful. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.